I'm Syra, a psychologist and a human rights advocate. Welcome to the podcast on recovery from coercive control, a podcast that tries to unpack how coercive control impacts mental health, what psychology can teach us about recovery, and how to promote recovery and healing to build a hopeful future. So this session is on what is post-traumatic growth. I decided to look at post-traumatic growth for survivors of coercive control because when I looked into the research, I saw that most of it was quite grim and dark. And I just knew from my experience that survivors, yes, what they had been through was grim and dark, but they had a real strength and they were very capable in a lot of ways. And I just felt the research didn't reflect that. So I thought about growth because if we think about recovery from trauma, there is a concept that over time, there are a few different outcomes that can happen after people have experienced crisis. They can either succumb and lose a large amount of their ability to live their day-to-day lives. These are the people who are really struggling and the ones that just can't seem to function in their day-to-day lives. Then there's those that they can function in their day-to-day lives, but they are struggling and they're not doing as well as they did before the trauma happened. And then the people we would say are resilient are the ones who go back to functioning on the same level as they did before the trauma happened. And there is this group of people that would describe themselves as thrivers, and they would say that their functioning is better than before the trauma they experienced happened. And this is what I'm talking about when we're thinking of post-traumatic growth. I really wondered if there's a way that I could somehow capture this concept and think about how we could help survivors facilitate this and potentially help the ones who were struggling. So just to go back a little bit, I'm going to explain where this concept came from. The researchers Tedeschi and Calhoun created this term that survivors from all different kinds of trauma can report experiencing, and they would describe it as a psychological transformation. So I think it's really important to say when I say post-traumatic growth, that this does not at all mean that the crisis or the trauma that was experienced was worth experiencing in any shape or form, but the gains that happened were an unintended consequence of this horrific event they went through. I also naively first thought when I went into post-traumatic growth research that perhaps the growth would somehow negate some of the pain and distress. However, in my journey, I learned that the distress and the growth go hand in hand and they often coexist. So just because there's growth, it doesn't mean that there's any less distress. So the way I viewed it is the growth might be capturing how the survivors are standing up against the oppression going on in their lives. And they weren't only victims, but often they were trying their best and fighting back where they could. So what is this growth? So Tedeschi and Calhoun argued that the growth is a result of how we cognitively think about and process the event, this crisis. 
we all as individuals have a set of assumptions and belief about how the world operates. And then a highly negative event happens. In this case, a realization that somebody has been exploiting and harming you and is abusing you. And this destroys our old assumptions and produces a large amount of distress. So the people who can then adapt to a new belief system, this is believed to lead to wisdom. And this new system is less likely to be shattered. And it's also linked to being emotionally more resilient. Now, this is not what we think of as growing up or maturity. And if we look at trauma survivors, when compared to non-trauma survivors, post-traumatic growth does look differently for those different types of populations. So how do they measure this growth and what do they mean by growth? Well, there is a questionnaire that they developed called the Post-Traumatic Growth Inventory. And this has been validated across many populations and worldwide. So survivors are asked to indicate the degree to which this change occurred in your life as a result of your crisis. So the changes are linked to five major areas. An increased appreciation of life, more meaningful interpersonal relationships, increased feelings of personal strength, new possibilities slash changed priorities, and a richer spiritual life. So before I talk a little bit about survivors and post-traumatic growth, it's also something to consider about whether it's real, because some researchers questioned whether it really exists. And there is some debate around this, because we have to remember that this questionnaire is self-report. This is what people are telling us. And other scholars argue that it could be just normal development at important periods of time, for example, young adults. There's also a group of researchers who say that thinking of growth is a useful illusion to alleviate distress and may just be wishful thinking or avoidance. And still others might think it's about how we label our experiences, that maybe we're just giving a positive interpretation rather than actual change that we can see in somebody's life. I think these are all really important points, but personally, I do believe survivors, when they tell me from all different kinds of trauma about how their lives are different in some way or the other, and I have seen real changes in people's lives from before and after, so I'm not quite sure about it being an illusion or just a label. So research for post-traumatic growth specifically for coercive control survivors, was very limited when I looked into this a few years ago. But those that did report growth usually had access to more social support, described themselves as more positive and confident, had some kind of spiritual practice, and most importantly, had inspiration and hope for a future. I think this is a really important point for survivors. Having something to work towards and having goals was really important in recovery. So in the survivors I questioned and interviewed, I asked them after they left the abusive relationship, that was what was considered the crisis. How much growth did they think they experienced? 
10 of the 11 women I asked reported very high levels of growth, higher than cancer survivors, which is so far the group that reported the most change in this questionnaire. I wasn't surprised because I felt this reflected my experience with the people I work with. Yes, there was a tremendous amount of pain and suffering and loss, but there was also wisdom, gratitude, and appreciation. Within the questionnaire, they struggled with questions with regards to relating to others and with spirituality. They all reported high growth without question in the area of new possibilities, personal strength, and appreciation of life. However, with relating to others and spirituality, the questions were complicated and gray. For example, one of the questions on the measure was, I learned how wonderful people are, and I put effort into relationships. However, the women I spoke to didn't feel that this was applicable to them, and they didn't know how to answer these questions. Because yes, they told me they did learn how wonderful some people were, but they also learned how awful some other people were. And they didn't put effort into all relationships. That effort had to be earned in a two-way straight. So yes, they did put more effort in, and yes, people could be wonderful. But they also could be self-interested, and they could choose to walk away from people that they may not have walked away from before. They also told me how difficult it was to trust others and to trust their intentions and motive. As one woman told me, the fear of getting burnt shackles you. Now, as a therapist, I think it's important for us particularly to be more open and transparent about the way of thinking, about how we're thinking and how we're working with people, because they're going to have difficulty trusting somebody that they don't know. When we also looked at spirituality, most had a much more nuanced approach to religion and felt that instead they would describe themselves as spiritual. Now, this wasn't linked to any religion in particular, because even though this was a small group of women that I spoke to, just 11, there were many faiths represented in this group, a Buddhist, some Muslims, Catholic, Christians, Hindus, and they all told me their faith had been shaken considerably and they questioned the core beliefs of their religion. Now, some turned back and returned back to the religion and felt it reaffirmed their beliefs and they were stronger than before. But for a few, they were even obliterated. Ultimately, they told me recovery was not the same in every part of their life. In some areas, they would describe themselves as thriving, but there were definitely parts of their life they said they were still struggling in. There was one woman who had left the abusive relationship 40 years earlier, and she said she had struggled for the entire time. So my learning lesson from speaking to these women was that time does not heal all wounds. They also told me that the thoughts and beliefs and the thinking that they had about five years after they left the relationship wasn't very helpful and tended to be um, negative aspects that they focused on. They told me they had to accept a difficult reality of human behavior, that they had seen the dark side of humanity. They also felt that people who had not seen this side of human nature were innocent and naive 
and they didn't quite understand what they had gone through. Some of the women struggled to have confidence that they had before the trauma, and they felt they were definitely less outgoing and more cautious. They also told me that domestic violence had impacted their ability to be intimate, and although they were high-functioning in some parts of their lives, this part of themselves remained quite damaged. Finally, they also told me that they needed their friends to be able to tolerate loss and understand what they had been through, and the relationships that remained were indeed more rewarding and held more compassion. Yes, they were also more aware of their needs, and sometimes this led to a complete reworking of their social relationships. Ultimately, all of them told me they experienced significant social changes. I hope this podcast has been helpful in your journey to understanding what has happened to you and provided some new insights and perhaps, hopefully, even helped you feel less alone. I would love any feedback, helpful suggestions, or ideas on what you would like to hear more about. So please do get in touch with me at drsyracon at protonmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to hearing from you.